Hey everyone, this is Phil. This is the Vision Podcast, and we are glad that you're joining us. I want to ask you a question. What if there was only really one thing that you needed to focus on, that you needed to think about, that you needed to plan for, only one thing in your life? Well, we answer this question in this podcast you're getting ready to listen to, and I just want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, if you have a journal where you can sit down and you can really take a moment to listen and to hear from heaven, it will be worth your time. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hey, how many of you brought your Bible this morning? Okay. Would you turn over to the book of Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at some things that God has just been really stirring in my heart. And um, <clears throat> last week I intended to preach this message, but I, you know, then we, it was, it was real different with the Jones Center. They wouldn't tell us that they were going to be open or they were going to be closed. And they didn't want to tell us until this morning. In essence, they didn't have an inclement weather plan for our group. And so we, we had to go ahead and make the decision ourselves, uh, which we did. And now the Jones Center has an inclement weather program, so I'm really planned. So I'm excited about that. And uh, we'll have better communication uh, now. But in the midst of that, I just really felt this message burning on my heart. And so I recorded a small podcast, um, just very short, just to kind of tease what I really felt like God was stirring in me. Um, for us as a church as we come into 2022, which by the way, we're in it, I know. But by the way, that was the first communion that we've taken in 2022. Glory to God. That's powerful stuff right there. So in Luke chapter 10 though, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to um, maybe fan the flames of your heart. And really, and, and if that's not the case, then blow on the embers and let's get it going. Have you ever really just stuck your face down in embers and blown and watched a fire ignite out of it without getting burned or hurting yourself? Uh, that's, that's what I'm feeling that God is just stirring so much in vision that it's like there's this fire that wants to ignite on the inside of us so that we can burn brighter and brighter. How many of you know fire's never satisfied? Fire's a good thing when it comes to, the, to our love for our king and our God. And so I want to I draw some contrast, but I want to read the scripture that I read to you um, on the podcast last week. And so I'm going to look at that. I'm going to put on my glasses so I can see it. And I'm going to read to you out of the Passion Translation. Uh, this account, and we're going to start in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and to help me. 
The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. In uh, New King James and in other places, it says her name twice. And whenever you see a name, someone's name twice, what we would do today is we would just put an explanation point behind the first name. So he says her name. He says, Martha, my dear Martha, in this translation, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take that privilege from her. Wow. In that verse, verse 42, it says in the New King James Version, it says, but one thing, everybody say one thing, is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. In the God's Word translation, it says it this way. There's only one thing. Say one thing. You need. Well, you, thank you. You don't... One thing you need. There's only one thing you need, it says in the God's Word translation. In the Living Bible, it says there is only, thank you, worth being concerned about. If you're concerned, worried, fretful over a lot of different things, it says there's only one thing that you need to be concerned or worried about. And you know what happens when you lay at the feet of Jesus and when you lay at the feet of your king and you worship him, worry disintegrates. It just comes off of you. Just like somebody took a water bottle and just, you had dirt. Some of you might see my mark here. I lost a fight with a, bo with a box. By the way, those of you that were wondering. All right, uh, I said the Living Bible, of course, the, translate, the Passion Translation, let's read it again. Mary has discovered that one thing, most important, choosing to sit at my feet. So Mary discovered this one thing. She discovered the most important thing, and she took advantage of it. And so this morning, I want to do some contrasting throughout this scripture that I just read. I want to talk a little bit about the difference between Mary and Martha and contrast those two. Over in John chapter 11, it says that Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. So this is the same Mary. So she's distinguished by this sacred act when she brings in, we just sang about it, the alabaster box, this box of very expensive perfume. And she pours it on Jesus' feet. She breaks it open. You can't, I mean, when you break something, how many of you know you can't repair it? Whatever is inside, if it's liquid, if it's perfume, it's going to pour out. And it pours out on his feet. And then she gets down. She lets down her hair. This is, a, this is a, a bride act. This is a wife act. The act of a wife. Letting down her hair and drying her hair with her, the perfume with her hair. This is a sacred act. And where is she at when she's doing this? She's down low. She's at his feet. But we just read earlier that 
Martha invites Jesus into her home and she's cooking a meal and she's busy getting things ready to host Jesus. And where is Mary? She's at his feet. So why is it that the sacred act of her pouring the perfume out on his feet, why is it that the sacred act is forever transcribed in scripture and why is it that I'm repeating it today? It's because of, the, of what's so interesting is her value. Her, why is it that Jesus loves her so much? that he would forever attach her name to the gospel. What is it about her? The reason this woman is so special to him is because he's so special to her. The reason that he loves her so much is because she is loving him so much. Mm, Man. And so she's so taken with him that she took his heart. From him, literally. This is so powerful. So right here in verse 42 of this verse in Luke 11, we see that Mary has chosen that good part that's not going to be taken away from her. And so she gives us, or Jesus gives us through this this situation, the necessity for life. And what is it? One thing. That's the necessity for life. We are worried about so many different things. Matthew talks about this in Matthew chapter six. It talks about all the different things that we worry about. And and it says that the Gentiles worry about these things. And, And we as Christians want to worry about these things, but one thing is necessary. It's amazing that when you get at the feet of Jesus that requests and needs and wants melt away. When you're looking at him in the face. Wow. Mary, I like to say it this way. I heard this. I thought it was so great. She discovered the X on the treasure map. And that's all she cares about now. Is that X. I've got the X. I don't need anything else. Oh, man. It's so good. So let's try and contrast a few things. First thing I want to talk about is personal plans. You remember Mary, she invited Jesus into the house. So Mary's got this plan to host Jesus, and she's preparing this huge meal for him and his disciples, right? And so she's unwilling to change her plans. (laughs) She thought that everyone should adjust their plans because she's the host. It's my party. I'm the one that invited you, so I get to tell you what we're going to do, right? But, and so Martha throws her plans into the party. Mary throws her plans at Jesus' feet. She lays them down at his feet and says, I I have no more plans. Are you kidding me? The king is here. He has walked in. Wow, that hurt. That's a, that is quite a stage all right so first contrast don't do that if you're up here personal plans but it was dramatic I'm willing to take beatings for you guys all right next one sorry another contrast location somebody bring me a tissue 
hey, Becca or Zach, I've got some in my backpack back there. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> you have to hunt for it. Um, location. Let's talk about location. Where's Mary? At his feet. Okay. So every time we see Mary, she's at his feet. You can't point to an instance in the Bible where she isn't low. And that's what's interesting is that when you and I go low, oh man, that's when things get good. When we go low for him and, and set our focus, lay at his feet and set our focus on him, everything else melts away. It's amazing. Your problems begin to melt in his presence. He becomes the main thing that matters the most. And so she's at his feet. Thank you, Mom. I knew you probably had one. I appreciate it. Thanks. So, so Mary is going low. And so what she's doing is she's becoming the perfect example of what the gospel is supposed to do in us, in the human heart, right? Interesting scripture. Uh, over in Genesis, if you want to turn over there real quick, Genesis chapter 3. This is a very interesting verse. You know, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Adam and Eve have, God created them. He placed them in this garden. And here they are in this garden. And what did they do every day? They took a walk with God every day in the cool of the day. You remember that? And so it says in Genesis chapter three, this is after Adam and Eve has sinned. They've eaten of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. And it says in verse eight in the NLT that when the cool of the evening breeze evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, and they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called out to the man. He said, where are you? Now, I've heard cool messages, some really neat messages on this about, you know, where are you? You know, they could be talking about your spiritual condition. Where are you? And, you know, in your, in your spiritual condition of your heart. I get that. But when they walk together every day, the Lord is simply saying, where are you? What's going on? Because we walk together every day. We fellowship together every single day. Day and now I got I got one thanks and now you're not here. What's up? We got Adam ghosting God. Have you ever been ghosted? Anybody? We get the church get it. No, I, I can't go there. Sorry. Never mind. All right. So don't our, don't ghost God. Our location. Here's the deal, is that when, when you lay at his feet and you spend time with him, you look him in the eyes, you know what happened? It happens is it's a very vulnerable place to be. And it's an exposing place to be. Why? Because you have to bear all. That means God sees everything. He sees you, everything about you. And what that opens up is God's ability then to be able to work on different areas of your life and help you with it. Yesterday, we had an opportunity to go to Tulsa and pick up a couple of loads for the warehouse, which by the way, man, God has just been doing amazing things. Last week, we blessed uh, several families 
Um, we, we were able to help a veteran. He'd had a, a fire in his home and lost everything. And we gave him all, we gave him furniture. We gave him, I mean, just, it was awesome. Yeah. And we were so thrilled to get to do it. But we gave it to his next door neighbor because his next door neighbor was the one that discovered the need. And so one thing that we're wanting to do as an organization is to stay anonymous. Because if someone knows of a need, we will give you everything to bless them with. And, but that relationship is there between her and him. Anyway, it, it was neat. Do you mind if I blow my nose real quick? I'm teasing you. I'm not going to do that to you. All right. All right. Martha, where's her location? Where's Martha at? She's in the kitchen serving. Oh, man. Martha's not mentioned once in Scripture to be at the feet of Jesus anywhere in Scripture. She's too busy. Her faith and her relationship with Jesus is tied up in what she does for him. What is she doing? She is hiding behind activity. She is hiding behind service. You know that we can do that? We can hide behind service. We can hide behind services. We can hide behind success and numbers. We can hide behind business. Some of us can even hide behind our Bible. Because you don't have to come before him and expose yourself. And allow him to be able to see what's going on on the inside of you. See, to look at him, like I said, is being vulnerable, being exposed. I love what Bill Johnson said. He said, busyness is artificial significance. See, haste always gives the impression of importance. When we went to the Dominican so many times, I met a really neat guy. His name was Greg. He was a producer. And he would do voiceover work and do, did a lot of radio stuff. And I found out he was coming to America and that I was going to be in, uh, sorry, not, uh, that's a part of the Americas, but coming to the United States. Um, and that he was going to be in Tulsa the same time I was. So I asked him if I could hang out with him for a day and take him around and show him our country and where I'm from because I was born and raised in Tulsa. And so I took him to Chick-fil-A and we were sitting there, we were eating this glorious chicken. And, and Greg looks at me and he said, you know what I noticed about your country? He said, I noticed everyone is in a hurry. Everyone is extremely busy going somewhere. And I began to think about and remember the Dominican because we had spent probably a total of six months in the Dominican and in many different cities. We, were, we did um, a lot of ministry in about eight to nine different cities while we were there. And so we saw a lot of the country. And the one thing that I noticed was every city, every little town, wherever it was, all of them would set out on their front porch and they would talk to their neighbor all day. If they weren't working... That was what they would do. They would hang out. And they're not in a hurry to do anything. Some people call it the island mentality. I don't know. I, th I think on one hand, we as Americans have forgotten how to appreciate life. And stop and listen to people. And on the other hand, 
the Dominicans could probably step up their busyness a little bit, accomplish you know, a few more things. I think Corey Tim Boone said it best, though. She said, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. That is so good. Let's look at another contrast. What about preoccupation? Preoccupation. Mary found, the Bible says, that good part. She was so preoccupied with Jesus that she didn't see anybody else. Her focus was only on him. She was teaching us that Jesus is too beautiful to look away from. Wow. And when he is the center of our attention, it's unable to give that attention to anything else. Mary was saying another thing. She was saying that he is greater than his gifts. Listen to this. Jesus is greater than his gifts. He's more wonderful than his wonders, and he's more precious than his promises. See, that he's so much better. She, what we need to find is, what, is that he, he is more than what he can do. We need to find out who he is as Christians. And see, she found that his presence freed her from the need for anything else. She found that all of her prayers, all of her requests vanished in his presence. That is a powerful word. Because what do we do? We wait to go to God until we need something. Can't get it from the bank, can't get it through my job, can't get it by saving. I guess I'll go to God. We make him feel like that college student father where the college student only calls when they need something, right? Sorry, I'm not here to pick on college students. There's some in the room. But what about Martha? What was her preoccupation? She was occupied with serving. Martha chose occupation for the Lord instead of preoccupation with the Lord. She wanted to feed him instead of feed on him. Another, I heard Bill Johnson saying this about another minister. I don't know who the minister was, but he said that he loved what he said. That He said Martha was too busy making tacos that Jesus didn't order. That's what Martha was doing. She thought more about her service for the Lord than her service unto the Lord. See, the word used to describe Martha, what was it? It was distracted. Distracted. What does that word mean? It means being pulled in many directions. Last night, um, I was laughing at Tom because Tom said that he was up until 3. I was up at, at midnight. And about 12.30, I was sitting out in our living room with the fire on and just sitting before the Lord and spending some time in prayer. And whenever I can't sleep... That's my MO, is I just think, hey, God, God's got me up for a reason. He needs me to do something for him. And anyway, I was, I was praying, and it got quiet, and I was just sitting there listening. And suddenly, I hear this donkey honking as loud as you can. Because we have behind our house, we just have acres and acres of pasture. It's just wide open out there and I can hear the donkey sometimes but I've never seen it you know and so suddenly I just hear this donkey honking so loud and then I begin to hear the cries of these coyotes that are running away from the donkey because I don't know if you know about donkeys that they one of the reasons that they have them in the pasture is to protect the cow the little calves from being attacked by 
coyotes and anything else, any other predator that would come. And so coyotes were, you know, are not good. And so this donkeys are vicious. They are relentless when it comes to coyotes. And you and I need to be relentless when it comes to distractions in our life. We need to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to tell us what a distraction is, to help us identify them. Lord, if you would pray this prayer, because I've done it. I've prayed and said, Lord, help me identify what distractions are in my life. Oh, he'll flat out show you. Here's one. Here's one. One over here. You know, because distractions pull us away from the main thing. Okay, let me prove it to you. Okay, so we read Luke 11, right? Where, Mar- where uh, Martha was in the kitchen, right? Turn over to John chapter 12. I'll read this to you. John chapter 12. Are you getting something out of this? Yes, Glory to God. I am too, man. I've been feeding on it for the last week and it has been blessing my heart. Mm. So, so Martha was in the kitchen and the last scripture that we read in Luke. Now over here in John chapter 12, I want to read just the first part of chapter 12. It says, six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, from the dead. And they were preparing supper for Jesus. And the next word says, Martha. What's she doing? She's serving She didn't learn anything from what Jesus said, did she? She's back to serving. She's distracted. My daughter, when I got my first iPhone and, and, you know, we started FaceTiming and stuff uh, with the family. I remember Becca, when she was a young girl, she would, you know, when you're 10 years old, I don't know if you've ever FaceTimed with a 10-year-old, but it's not good. I mean, they're all over the place, and, you know, they make you sick. you got to look away, you know. The phone's getting pointed at everything. And then I remember finally, Becca sat down, and the phone stopped on her face. And it was like, there you are. There you are. I wonder if it's the same way for Jesus. That we're running around distracted, being pulled going over here and doing this and we're busy in our life where we finally sit down at his feet and look in his face and he says, there you are. There you are. I've been looking for you. Been waiting on you. Man. See, Jesus is waiting for you and I to look his way. The highest ministry of all is looking at Jesus. I can't do anything higher than that. And I got to go low to do that. Charles Spurgeon said, Thou hast given thyself to me, for what more can I ever ask? He has already bestowed upon us all things in himself. So when, when we know that, this frees us from the plague of need and desire. Listen to what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, no amount of activity in the king's service will make up for the neglect of the king himself. Mm. What about another contrast? What about adoration versus criticism? Mary didn't let the sin against her produce sin in her. How did she do that? Her focus was on him. I believe that she was so focused on, 
on Jesus that she didn't even hear what Martha said. She was so taken by the fact that the Son of God is it. I mean, she, she knows he's the Son of God. How do you know that, Phil? Because she poured out the perfume on his feet. She knew what she was doing. She was preparing him for burial. Isn't that amazing? That Mary, the one that's low, the one that is at Jesus' feet is the only one that knows Jesus is gonna die. What about Martha? Martha had a big problem. And who was her biggest problem? Mary. You're my problem, Mary. Martha preferred to be around him more than to look at him. In fact, when we read that, she came in and she interrupted Jesus. And she said, Jesus, don't you care? Man, that's something to say to the most caring individual on the planet. Don't you care that Martha or that Mary's not helping me. Spurgeon said that Martha accused Mary of something, but Mary could have easily accused Martha of leaving Christ alone. Leaving him alone. See, we we have to put the service of the Lord where it belongs. It belongs behind Jesus. Jesus belongs in the front. Everything else that we do for him is behind him. Think about this. Martha said, Mary has left me to do the serving alone. That word left means to put something behind you. Isn't that interesting? The difference between Martha's ministry and Mary's ministry was Martha's ministry was in front of her before the Lord. Mary's ministry was the Lord first and everything else is behind him. Wow, we could contrast these women in other ways. I mean, one's looking at him, the other's not. One's listening to him, the other's not. One is at rest, the other one is not at rest. And one is talking about people, and the other one is preoccupied with God. She doesn't have time to talk about people because she's preoccupied with God. A.W. Tozer said the Christian life should, not be an en- should be an endless preoccupation with God himself. So Phil, what's the barometer? How do I know how much time I should spend with him? How much do you value him? How much do you love Jesus? This has been convicting my heart for weeks and weeks and weeks now where, where I, you know, if I'm sitting, uh, maybe watching something or killing time, which is a really bad idea, um, I'll just sense a stirring in my heart that I just need to pull away, get away from the TV and get, get in a place where I could just hear his voice, where I could spend time with him, where I could love on my father. See, this is a bride-groom relationship. And that's amazing. You know, that's the kind of relationship that, you know, Nicole and I, when we first got married, we, uh, all we had was conversation. When we dated, we dated, we were 1,000 miles, miles apart, and the only form of communication we had were two things. The United States Postal Service, send a letter, or make a phone call. At, at, at the rate of about three, $350 to $400 a month was what I paid for my phone bill back then. 
because you ha you had to pay for long distance. Look it up online, maybe. <laughs> you know, you had to pay back then. And we loved having conversations. And when we got married, because communication was all we had for so long, we, we became pretty good at it. And we would just sit and talk and laugh for hours. And I will say this, you know, when, and Nicole will tell you, when we got to about our 10th year, it, it was our most difficult year. And how can, I, how can I say it right? We loved each other, but things were not as fresh anymore, not as new. And we had to make some adjustments and begin to seek God how to bring that freshness back and how to bring that love back into our marriage again so that we could get on fire so the fire would burn again and I'm telling you what the Lord helped us do was he helped us do that and he helped that fire come on so big in our hearts that it, it's never gone out since it's gotten it just it's just gotten better and better and better and now coming I'm approaching we're approaching 30 years of marriage this next August, which, by the way, any ideas that you guys have since Nicole's not in here for the 30th, throw them my way because, um, you know, after you do 29 anniversaries, you kind of <laughs> begin to get slim on ideas, you know, and I could use some milk. But anyway, but our love for one another has just gotten better and better and better. But we had to come to a place in him where we could, uh, what's the way to say it? Um, where that desire was there again. Does that make sense? We had to come to Jesus to learn how to love again, but to love deeper. Wow. So I've only got a couple more things. Go ahead and bring, bring everybody, Zach. <clears throat> See, it's about making more room for him. See, crying out to him will never do what more making room for him will do. Crying out to him will never do what making room for him will do. Does, does that make sense? That when you take time with him, your, your answers to your questions get answered in the process. See, when we, when we come to him for things other than him, we miss him. All the while the Lord cries out, is there anyone interested in me? Consider this. Martha's ministry was fruitless. It died with her. To this day, we still don't know what she was doing. The Spirit of God didn't even consider her service worth mentioning. But Mary is forever recorded. What she did travels with the gospel. So how much time should I give Jesus each day? 
What did I say? How valuable is he to you? An ordinary woman stole the heart of Jesus. The feet of Jesus are there for whoever chooses to value them. Question is, are you going to value his feet? If things are more important, then we're not valuing him. If there's anything that can come in front of him in my life. And there, there's, there's times in my life that I've really had to get down before God and really get honest and say, God, reveal to me if there's anything in front of you. And, you know, some people say, oh, Phil, you shouldn't ask that question. I mean, God will... Yeah, well, I want to know because <laughs> I love God more. I want to love God more than I love anything on this earth. Everything on this earth is going to burn. It's all going up in smoke. One day, everything will be tested with fire. And what's going to be left standing? What my relationship with him and what I've done for him. That will stand the test of time and so I want to challenge you this morning I want to challenge you is your heart on fire for him where are you with him right now in your own walk So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Zach to sing, sing a little bit, but I'm going to open the altars and I want to invite all of you to come to the altar. And what we're going to do is we're going to make all of these steps in this whole altar, the feet, a place where we can lay at his feet. ask you to come as God deals with you.